Hello and welcome to Final Games, a podcast about the games that inspired us. You're listening to the 45th episode of the show. I'm your host, as always, Liam Edwards, and I hope you're ready to once again feel immense guilt for helping me to send a lovely games industry member to a deserted island. Joining me this week is a guest who found her way working into the games industry by starting out as a 3D artist. After finishing animation in university, she worked as a graphic designer at one of the largest mobile game publishers, Chilingo, the company responsible in part for titles such as Cut the Rope and Angry Birds. Whilst working at Chilingo, she became the manager of their creative services team, helping to take charge with a creative direction and design. My guest then decided to go solo and work as a freelance artist and indie developer, working on her first major title called Love IRL. During a break in that game's development though, she made a new title called One Night Stand. One Night Stand released on Steam last year and received raving reviews from quite a number of outlets, as well as being a major focal point for some articles due to the game's rather different premise. It was also nominated for an Independent Games Festival Award last year. Joining me this week is the creator of Awkward Morning Situations, Lucy Blundell. Hello Lucy! Hi Liam, thanks for having me. It's a That's pleasure. That's a great introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. you you're in Germany, yes? Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, so you work, you work freelance and as an indie developer, but why in Germany? Because you're originally from the UK. Yeah, uh, well, my boyfriend uh, got a job here at, at Nintendo. Wow, um, that's so, awesome. Yeah, so I just uh, I wanted to support him and, and come with him. So, uh, yeah, and I fancied the adventure as well. How, how long have you been there now then? Uh, it's kind of coming up to two years now, two which years. is crazy because it doesn't feel that long at all. That's crazy because I'm coming up to my two years here in Japan as well. So maybe we left around the same time from the UK. Um, yeah. <laughs> how is Germany treating you? Are you enjoying living there? Um. Yeah, I do. I mean, the hesitation like and, was real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Like, um, I do have like up and down days. Um, sometimes it's like, oh, I miss home. I miss the UK. But but then other days you're like, oh, Germ- Germany's awesome. You know, like yeah. people like they work hard, but they also like take lots of holidays and and have lots of fun. And we have like real seasons here as well. Like summer's really <laughs> really nice, and, and winter's all snowy. So. Yeah. Sounds very much like Japan <laughs> compared to the UK yeah. as well. So yeah. I, I'm very jealous of you being in Japan. Oh, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine um, someone who grew up being inspired by video games like myself and anime as well, of course. Um, but we're here to talk a little bit first about how you got into the games industry. And I noted that you were you worked, you you started out as a 3D artist, but you studied animation. What what was the kind of dividing line between those two, and how did you end up working in the games industry to start with? Yeah, so I'd studied animation, but my course was so like varied. Like we we studied music, um, script writing, okay, three uh, D design. Uh, we did like if you wanted to do an animation yourself kind of thing like it wasn't just uh 3d animation or stop motion or anything like that it's like we did everything but we didn't do it particularly well we kind of like dipped our toes in like every little subject uh which is great like being an indie i felt like i had this 
pretty good foundation. This bank um, of knowledge that you can yeah. pull from. That's pretty good. Yeah. But it, it also meant that kind of getting a job just in animation, like in the games industry, was really hard. Like my portfolio just wasn't good enough. And and um, yeah, so I kind of like after I graduated, just kind of scrambled to like get whatever I could. Yeah. Um, so I worked for a short time as a 3D artist on um, a mobile app, which I don't think is out anymore. But um, it was about little uh, GIFs, like kind of digital GIFs. Um, in 3D uh, but it, it taught me like some good uh, valuable lessons and um, I, there was other 3D artists there that were really really talented so who worked at like um, I can't remember the studio now but it was in Liverpool and they got shut down the Sony um, studio uh, it might have been I'm not sure if it was a part of that it was a long time ago now. There was a studio in Liverpool who were a Sony-affiliated studio, and they were the guys responsible for Wipeout, the racing series. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it was. It must have been them, yeah. I forget their name, though. Um, I forget their name. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, so um, that was in Liverpool, and uh, it was uh, it was cool. I, I did that for about six months, maybe, Yeah. Uh, before I started at Chilingo, which was like a more full-time thing. So what was it that you were then doing at Chilingo? Because this was around the time that Chilingo were bought by EA, correct? Yeah, so I started at the beginning of 2010 and they got bought out later that year. Um, so when I started, I remember my first day, they gave me like Angry Birds on the phone and were like, oh, this is like our newest game, but it's not really taken off yet, but we think it will with this next update. <laughs> and I remember playing it thinking like, well, this is this is all right, this I suppose. This is fun. I don't think it's going <laughs> to take the world by storm or anything in like a, a year's <laughs> yeah. time. That's crazy. No, it, it was just like a, a month or so later, it just like exploded. And um, I remember I started off making like magazine adverts for it and... Um, we had this like social network platform on iPhone kind of before Game Center came out Okay. Uh, called Crystal. And I used to skin it to kind of match the game's uh, UI. Okay. Um, so we used to do that for like all the games. And then we also did advertising, uh, a bit of web design every now and then. Like basically I was like the odd job graphics person. <laughs> and it was it was just me for like a year and I'm like, there's too much work. So the team kind of expanded and um and yeah, we, we ended up publishing like Cut the Rope later and it was a really exciting time to be there, I think. So then you moved on to sort of be do what was the change how long were you at Chilingo and then decided to sort of then you wanted to do something different and do your own sort of solo adventure yeah um I was there for nearly five years and I think sort of in the last year I was thinking like I've kind of done what I can in this job like I don't feel like I'm really growing as much anymore okay and I've always wanted to make my own thing, like whether it was a comic or an animation or a video game. And because I'd seen so many like indie games come through Chilingo, I just felt really confident. Like I felt like I knew the industry and I knew the, the business a lot better. So I thought like, yeah, like I'm just going to try this. I think I know what works and what doesn't. 
um, I guess I just got really confident. <laughs> um, <laughs> was this like you I'm, thought about making like a mobile game though, not like a um, PC game? No, not not really. Like, um, I, I mean, I might make a mobile game one day, but um, no, like really, I was just like, just any any indie game is is fine. Uh, Steam was always kind of my goal. Okay, that's cool. So you had that in mind for a while. Um, but did you, were you like head first straight into designing your own games or did you realize that you had to maybe take odd jobs for other uh, developers or, and to subsidize the cost of while you were developing your first game, which is Love IRL, and then later One Night Stand? Yeah, so I um, basically I saved up a lot of my money from working there. Uh, to kind of support uh, sort of my first year of development. But I also did take on like a few smaller jobs. Like I did background art for a visual novel. Um, I did some UI for another mobile app uh, or a couple of mobile apps. Um, And just like little artwork commissions and things like that, just to kind of like tide me over. Like I I also sell um, sort of t-shirts and prints and stuff on Redbubble of, like, um, gaming things. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, So just little things like that to kind of keep me going whilst I'm uh, developing um, Love IRL, which then became One Night Stand because I did this game jam that just kind of exploded, really. (laughs) Yeah, so tell me a little bit about the history of One Night Stand then because obviously that's your actual first release game, although it wasn't the game you started working on in the beginning. No. So, I mean, I was looking at Time Hop today, and it's like, oh, a year ago today, I did my first animation test for One Night Stand. Um, and I tried um, just animating it, like, 2D. And I was, I was thinking, oh, I think Rotoscope would be better for this. Like, it'll, it'll get across the expressions better. And that's where you kind of draw over um, live action footage. Yeah. And I've done that before at university as well. So as you know, I kind of wanted to revisit it. So I, about a year ago, I was um, practicing these kind of techniques for uh, to prepare myself for Nana Reno game game jam, which is a visual novel game jam uh, for the month of March. So it's my first game jam that I've done, and you know, because I've been kind of reluctant to do them because I think you know what kind of game can you get out in like two days it's not it's not going to be great but no I thought like a month is is pretty good so I I thought yeah like I'll I'll do that and see how it goes and I remember like started developing it and a couple of weeks in I'm like I think this could be really good actually (laughs) like I kind of want to after the game jam's done like stick keep w- polishing it yeah, and make stick it with better it. okay yeah yeah um so then i i carried on doing that for a few months afterwards so i'd, I'd release the game jam version kind of like as a demo um and yeah people just seem to love it like it started getting picked up by really big youtubers and and i thought yeah like i'll keep developing it so um yeah it finally released on steam at the beginning of november and since then, um, it's been kind of it's, a whirlwind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like you've been promoting it up until like Christmas, really. 
and then have the Christmas holiday and they've come back and now it's like, oh, you've uh, been nominated for an IGF award. And it's like, oh, that's that's fantastic, but it's taken over my life again. <laughs> so yeah, like trying to actually develop a game at the moment is really hard. It, it's, it must be amazing to be like, well, I just sort of started doing this to pass the time during one month for a break and now like i'm seeing all these youtubers play the game there's like articles written about it and the the sort of subjects it tackles and you know i I don't know how successful it's been on steam and that kind of thing um but i imagine it's been like wow this is this is really really fucking cool Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like I'd never expected it. Like I remember I I put it up on Itch.io originally, and then I went on holiday to Japan actually, and uh, I just kind of arrived uh, in Japan. And the next day, I looked at my phone. I'm like, oh, it's been picked up by like Rock Paper Shotgun, and and what the hell? Like this is just a, a little game jam game that's kind of buggy and not finished. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really like really weird mind-boggling it's crazy that's so so awesome to hear and um, i imagine it sort of inspired you to be carrying on with games development uh in some way it must be pushing you to be like well i've done it once i can do it again a little bit um i wouldn't say like i'm too cocky about it because it's kind of i don't know uh you know it's obviously a theme that catches people's eye um one night stand yeah um and it's really hard to say like if you'll be as successful again um i mean i hope i will be and i hope i'll be the next game will be more so but um it doesn't quite have that instant appeal or intrigue that that one night stand does so there's uh, there's going to be some challenges i think well, good luck to you. And I imagine there are some people listening who have played through One Understand who are looking forward to what you're going to do next. But we are here to talk about games that you have enjoyed, games that other people developed that have been successful in some way or in some form. Um, so you have chosen eight games as your final games list today and featuring some intriguing choices as well. And <laughs> a couple of choices I'm very excited to be talking about. So that's great. So why don't we get started? And listen to some music from your first game, which I imagine as soon as people listen to this music, they will instantly know what game it is. So let's dive into Lucy's final games. Kicking off Lucy's list today is, I mean, in this list, we might as well start with the biggest, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and it's a game that was designed 
and developed by Square Entertainment in Japan and published by Sony Computer Entertainment. It was directed by Yoshinori Kitase with the producer of Hironobu Sagaguchi all the way back in January of 1997. It's the role-playing JRPG that just destroyed perceptions of JRPGs in the West and made it this huge genre that we know it is today. We are, of course, talking about Final Fantasy VII. Lucy, why is the first game on your list today Final Fantasy VII? It's just my most favorite game of all time. Like, I absolutely love it to bits. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've played it over and over again. Uh, like, every couple of years, I'm like, I've got to replay that game. <laughs> and I'm kind of due a replay at the moment, but I've just so many other games on. Well, it's um, probably for the best that you maybe hold off a little bit, because as, we're recording, <laughs> as we are recording today... Um, there is supposedly some huge Square Enix announcement today or some exciting thing they're promising. So maybe it might have something that is related to the uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. So fingers crossed, you might not have to wait too long for a, a, a brand new replay in sort of a new way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm i actually one of the uh, the cynical people when it comes to the, uh, the replay. Oh, like, really? I yeah, I'm not sure about it. Like I love the original like so much and I'm worried like how the remake is gonna tackle certain bits, like when Cloud is cross dressing or you know, they're messing around in the gold saucer or, you know, things like that. Um, you know, I, I think like when I replay Final Fantasy Seven I'm always surprised like how funny that game is. Like it has some really silly, stupid moments. And I really love it for that. Um, yeah, like even um, when you go on the date uh, with one of the uh, the choice of characters, yeah. and there's that scene where there's um, like a dragon and um, a wizard and the king all on like the stage, and it's just so silly. And you get to choose like how to act, and I think you can ask like what the princess's measurements are or something. <laughs> In typical Japanese fashion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, is that stuff, like, one, is it relevant today? And two, like, <laughs> will, will they get away with it with, like, you know, proper 3D models of realistic-looking characters? Like, Maybe not so much. But then again, yeah. it is Japan, so it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. It would not surprise me. <laughs> Yeah. So what is specifically about Final Fantasy VII then? Obviously, you said it's your fa favorite game, but why does it... Because sometimes favorite games don't really become... Don't factor into decision-making for a deserted island. Um, but you have said you've replayed it over and over again, which is, you know, for a game that once you've played it maybe once or twice, it's not hard to maybe deviate from what is exactly there. It doesn't give you too much variety. It is still mm. stunted in its limitations that it was released all the way back in 1997. Um, why does it deserve to be going with you then? Yeah, so... Um, obviously, for me, it, it just it does have that replayability, but there's, there's still things I've not done. So I've not actually defeated the Emerald or Ruby weapons, like still. Like I've, <laughs> I've played that game like seven or eight times or something and 
I still can't do it. And I've been watching guides recently like, all right, I think I know what to do now. Finally, (laughs) I will take these on. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I feel really ashamed that it's like, I've still not done that. And I'm, I'm such a fan. Um, (laughs) So, you know, that's, that's the big reason for me to go back is like, I still have things to do, but I also just enjoy it. It's like, um, because I I love the story so much. um, It's like going back to a novel that you you love and you could just keep rereading i could certainly Um, i can i can see that yeah it's sort of you know what you're going in for it's just that sort of cozy warm blanket you wrap yourself in that's really familiar yeah yeah and i i just i just love it um you know like i i get kind of a sense of escapism with it i guess uh which would be important for a desert island um like there's there's just so many wonderful locations uh, all around this like weird world and um, you know like this Cosmo Canyon which is just uh, it's just beautiful and kind of relaxing and tribal and and then there's the crazy gold saucer um, you know there's uh, Wu Tai which is kind of like the mini Japan of <laughs> of Final Fantasy 7 and uh, I mean there's also like more grim areas like Midgar and uh, Jun and Docks yeah um you know there's there's places that aren't great um but yeah it's it's just this beautiful world and also like part of that is the music for me like I'm a huge Nobu Uematsu fan yeah, um, I I go to like the distant world shows like whenever I can. I still have um, not had a chance to go to one. I remember just before uh, I was moving, just before I came to Japan, just before I was moving, I had a chance to have some tickets to go to a distant world's concert with an ex colleague of mine at Rockstar. And but I've I've still not been, and it, it, it aches me to this day that I've not seen. Uh, Nobu's music live uh, so I am very jealous <laughs> yeah you've got to go like I really recommend it I've I've been to um, I think I've been to two distant worlds and one Final Fantasy Symphony and another like they did like an intimate music collection or something as well okay um, but yeah like at the symphony one I actually got to like shake Nobu's hand and I was like I don't want to wash this hand again and and then I obviously went to the bathroom later and did and then I was like oh no I forgot but like he's just such a sweet guy like he just smiled so much and he signed my my the copy of my game and I was just like over the moon like he just makes such beautiful music and it just it just touches me like i i just love it like i remember uh when i originally played final fantasy 7 i was like 11 or 12 or something and obviously getting the soundtrack back then like with <laughs> barely any internet was was pretty difficult but i remember i found like the midi files yeah and i just i just listened to those like <laughs> i'd just be there at my computer like listening to like midis of final fantasy 7 like oh i love this you know and I just, yeah, I just absolutely love the music. It's a big part of it for me, I think. That's really interesting because as the show has developed, I've come to realize that a lot of people sort of make a choice also for the music, and music is very important. I think, obviously, if you're going to be stuck on a deserted island or a deserted place, 
sometimes music is going to be important as well in some games especially older games that maybe have chiptune music running in the background or um just music that can sort of wash over you and make you feel a bit more safe or um just bring back those memories and i think that's really important especially from a final fantasy perspective where you know final fantasy music is just as important as anything else to do with final fantasy so it's a good choice yeah totally like i think of the world map music which is probably my favorite of that game and you just it's just so uplifting i mean the first half of it is it's really uplifting and then it goes kind of dark but i just you know imagine being like stranded on your own but then listening to that and you'd just be kind of comforted and everything's okay it's just there's something about some of the songs in that that just really move me i guess <laughs> so that is a perfect choice then as the first one i mean you can't really get much better than your favorite game of all time um just before we go i've i've always been intrigued about the platforms in which people play final fantasy 7 on now because it is pretty much yeah. on every various but it's on pc it's on ps3 it's on ps4 it's on playstation vita it's on every emulator ever um is there like a specific version that you go back and replay Every time now, that would be the one that you would take with you? Well, yeah, I, I'd i go with the original PlayStation 1 version because I'm kind of, that's what it was designed for and that's kind of what it should be on. And, I mean, now that I'm in Germany, I don't have, like, all my old consoles with me, but they're all bundled up back at home. Okay. And my, my you know, PlayStation 1 copy of Final Fantasy VII is there. Although I did originally play it, on PC because uh, I never had a PlayStation when I was uh, younger and we actually had it uh, me and my brother played it and we had it on like a copied version of someone's game oh no <laughs> don't, yeah don't let's it was terrible <laughs> no it was terrible and um you know so I just felt really bad about it so I, I eventually like got a PlayStation I, I mean I got a PlayStation 2 at that point but then um, bought uh, Final Fantasy like on on that, and uh, you know played it properly, and I, I much preferred it than you know uh, playing a dodgy copy on PC. <laughs> it wasn't wasn't good. Um, but yeah, like uh, me and my brother, um, he he kind of got me into it, I guess. Yeah. Like he um, he played it, and I'd just watch him play it. At first, like, I'd just watch him play it and be like, oh, this is so cool. And, and he was at college at the time, and he was really busy with, like, work and, and studying. And, um, like, I'd, I'd just be like, Ben, are we going to play, like, Final Fantasy tonight? And uh, <laughs> he's like, no, no, I've got stuff to do. So I, I kind of, like, just started my own game on it, even though it was his computer. And I think he got a little bit annoyed at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I just had to play it and I completed it before like he did um, oh the ultimate annoyance I, yeah I was like I just have to I just have to play this game like I was just addicted to it um so yeah it just it means so much to me <laughs> did you catch the polygon article recently about the history of the game's development you know, I I did, but I have not had chance to read it yet. It's like it's very long. It's a novel a t- on a tab. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's on a tab for when I have a bit of spare time, but it, uh, which I've not had. <laughs> but it is quite an incredible uh, 
article and very good piece of uh, journalism to do with, you know, sort of looking back at the history of some important games. If if you are listening to this and you, ha- you have no idea what it is, go find Polygon. It's written by the excellent Matt Leone. Um, it's a complete history of the development of Final Fantasy VII, and it's told by the people who had developed it. So, you know, Sakaguchi-san, Yoshinori Kitase, um, who else is involved? Uh, obviously, Nomura himself and Nomatsu. Yeah. So, you know, if you have any interest in Final Fantasy VII, I highly recommend that you read through that interview and that whole article. It's quite incredible. Very, very, yeah. very good piece. Um, I but, should really get on it. <laughs> yeah, it's long though. It's very, very in depth. It's very long, um, but it does go on to talk about the PC version as well and how the PC version came about, which was at the time incredibly different for a Japanese company to even consider making a PC version of one of their games because PC games in Japan. They, they don't go together very well. <laughs> Historically do not do very well. Well, what a great place to start. Favorite game of all time. I think that is a good place to start. So why don't we move on to your next game now. And it's a series I've been dying to talk about on this show. Um, just because it's pure, mental, bonkers, crazy Japan-ness. But why don't we listen to some music first and then let's dive straight into it. So, Lucy, before we jump into your next game, we have to, of course, talk about the deserted place in which we are going to be sending you with Final Fantasy VII and the next game that's coming up. So, as you do know, um, because you have fully prepared for this episode (laughs) beforehand, uh, we are sending you off to a deserted video game world of your choosing. Um, It can be anywhere from any video game and... The only caveat is, is that there will be no one there. It will just be you. So is there a place that has come to your mind? I know there is. Yes. Um, So it's my favorite game of last year. Um, It's Stardew Valley, which I was very tempted to pick as an actual game. But then I figured actually being there for real would probably... (laughs) be better (laughs) just farming away (laughs) yeah i i know it would be super sad without anyone else there like because that's kind of the joy of that game yeah i was gonna say you don't get all the interactions with all this quirky and strange residents yeah um but kind of like having that place to yourself also seems kind of like I mean, for me, um, that seems kind of like bliss. Um, you've got a beach 
Um, you've got like the lakes and the mountains. You've got the caves to explore. There's even like um, like a hot spring up near the train station as well. <laughs> it's like you have everything. Uh, you have your own farm, obviously. Um, your own. I, I mean, are animals allowed? Mm, maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I'll have to think about that one. Depends how. <laughs> depends how loyal and almost human-like in nature the the animals are (laughs) (laughs) but this is pretty good thinking because obviously when we're sending people off to a deserted island sometimes we don't know whether they will survive we want them to be comfortable usually but many people don't think really about the survival aspects of surviving (laughs) on a deserted island but you know you're gonna have a farm so you can grow your food you can go fishing off the pier and all these kinds of things yeah, um, I think it's it's probably the uh, the best solution. It's kind of it's kind of got everything. So, so um, I know the farms have a name that you create. So what what is your farm's name? What is the world actually called because you've named it? Uh, you know that's a really good question because I've not played it now for like six months and I can't really remember. Uh, I'm not sure if it was like Sunshine Farm or something cute like that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. If I was younger, it would have just been like Lucy Farm or something. Lucy Farm. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just say we're sending you off to Lucy's Sunshine Farm in the world of Stardew Valley, where you're going to be playing this next game, which is a juxtaposition from the very peaceful nature of the Stardew Valley to the kicking people in the face (laughs) nature of this next game. Um, It's a game developed by Sega and published by Sega, produced by Toshihiro Nagoshi. It's... It started all the way back in 2006, uh, just over 10 years ago now, on the PlayStation 2 with the first game in the series. It's now on its sixth iteration with three spin-off games. Uh, One spin-off game, the major spin-off game. Well, not spin-off game. I would say it's a prequel. It's not quite in the main line, but it's a prequel that fits into the whole story of the series. That came out uh, earlier this week. I've been playing it. It's absolutely excellent. But it's not the game we're talking about. The game we're talking about in Japan is called Ryo Gai Go Toku Go, which is translated as Yakuza 5. Lucy, thank you. Thank you so much for choosing a Yakuza <laughs> game. Finally, Yay. finally I can talk about <laughs> the greatest video game character of all time, who is Kazuma Kiru. He is the greatest character of all time to me. Um, you have chosen the action-adventure single-player PlayStation 3 title that released back in Japan in 2012, but didn't come to us until December of 2015, which is a damn, damn long freaking three-year wait between the games. <laughs> but of course, it is Yakuza 5. Lucy, I can give a thousand reasons as to why this game should be on someone's list, but why have you <laughs> taken it? Why have you taken it? So I, this is actually the first game I've played in the Yakuza series. Okay. And I just absolutely loved it. I I remember um, my boyfriend was like, I kind of want to just buy Yakuza. And I'm like, okay. So we just kind of spontaneously got it and just kind of fell in love with it instantly. Like, um, because you start off as uh, Kiru and he's just like this, he's so cool. He's the coolest. He's, yeah, he's, he's just, <laughs> he's like, he's kind of constantly frowning and stuff, but we, I love him. He's kind of like, um, he reminds me of Ryo from Shenmue, but 
just way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> All the Shenmue and fans have just died. <laughs> yeah, I'm but sorry. he is way cooler. <laughs> he's so much cooler. He's more stoic and he's awesome. He is totally awesome. Yeah, it's funny because yeah. the the way you got into the series is very similar to how I got into it. I was in university back in 2010. Um, and I, I downloaded this demo off the PlayStation Store, which was for a game called Yakuza 3. And I was like, hey, I like Japan. I like kicking people in the face. <laughs> Let's play this game. And I played the demo. I was like, holy, holy fuck. This is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And then immediately bought the game when it came out. And ever since then, I've been absolutely in love with this series. Yeah. I um, So after we played 5, we then got 4. And it's not as long as 5. But I still really enjoyed it. And literally yesterday, Yakuza Zero turned up on my doorstep. I I left the uh, the flat and it's like, oh, the delivery man has just literally left it on the doorstep. So so luckily no one stole it. But um, that is my plan tonight, is to finally load that game up and play Yakuza Zero because... I'm just so excited about it. Like I've waited so it's, long now. <laughs> it's pretty. I, I've been playing it all this week. I had I bought it when I first came to Japan because I couldn't resist. Although it was in Japanese, and at the time my Japanese was absolutely disgustingly terrible. Um, <laughs> it still is disgustingly terrible now. But um, it's funny when I play the game now, I can read all the signs, and I'm I get really excited. Oh, that's so cool. Because I can I can walk down Kamurocho and be like. <gasps> I know what that says. I know what this <laughs> says. And then I'm massively slower playing it now. Um, but I've been playing Yakuza 0 this week as well. And it is great. You are in for one heck of a time. In fact, after yeah. recording this podcast, I am going to damn well go and play it too. <laughs> so did you go? You went back and played 4. Did you go back yeah. and play 3? Have you played 3 yet? or? Um, no. So we bought it, but we've kind of been saving it. So kind of like trying to spread out the Yakuza game so that we don't like have to wait ages for the next one. Like we're just really worried. You don't have to put up with Sega's four year wait for each localization. Yeah, I I don't want that to happen. I'm like, no, we must spread these games out. So like, yeah, I, I just, yeah, when I first played it, I just I don't know. It reminded me of um, of Streets of Rage, like mixed with Shenmue, and I love Streets of Rage. Like it's got that kind of like old school kind of beat 'em up style about it, even though it's all new and in three D. And and I think it, <laughs> it looks incredible. Sometimes Yakuza is really really good. It does. Uh, but it's got that kind of you can pick up stupid items uh, like baseball bats and motorbikes and all kinds of crazy things and just attack people with them and it's just it's like streets of rage but way even way more fun and i i love streets of rage as well uh, it's just it's just makes you feel so badass when you're like beating up all these like awful people on the streets who just always want to like start fights with you and stuff and, and you can just kick kick ass and and again it's got that kind of humor to it where it's not taking itself that seriously and i really like that it's really interesting because it essentially is just a badass simulator that that's what it is like <laughs> yeah. you're just there to be a badass 
uh, all the time with a really cool deep voice, the best sideburns ever. And <laughs> really, you just can't get much better than kicking people in the face in like Japan. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because Japanese yeah. people don't do that normally. <laughs> no, that's the thing. It's like I have it on my list because I love Japan, and it's kind of like. When I'm missing Japan, it's like, oh, Yakuza game's great for that. Like it, It's like a Japanese simulator. But at the same time, it's nothing like Japan because everyone's so nice in Japan. <laughs> it is stra- it's so strange because it is like such an incredible representation of what Japan is like as a place in look and in quirkiness and the shops and everything. But at the same time, yeah, you don't, you get... The the flip side is that you get more anime type tropes with men in the street coming up to you saying "nani attendant" and just like <laughs> asking you what you're doing and stuff like that. So uh, <laughs> it's maybe yeah. not so much uh, what Japanese people are really like. Trust me. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But I'm so happy to have <laughs> finally spoken about a yakuza game on this show, um, and you're gonna you're gonna have one heck of a time playing Yakuza Zero. But you're not going to get time to do it because we're sending you away um, to a deserted island <laughs> to look after a farm. <laughs> so you're going to have to just deal with having Yakuza 5 for now. <laughs> so let's listen, to, yeah. let's listen to some music so, from your next game, which is... I, 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 I just, I'm trying to find the... When, I, when you told me that this game was on your list, I was trying to find the reasons as to why you possibly would want this... <laughs> to take up a spot on your list i mean last week we had we had noctus choosing cookie clicker but but now (laughs) we're 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 talking about a fitness game um so why don't we listen to some music from this next game which i because it's a fitness game made by nintendo i imagine has some excellent music because all nintendo games have excellent music so let's listen to some music from this next game and let's dive straight into it So Lucy, the next game on your list, as I mentioned, is a fitness game. Um, it was developed by Nintendo EAD and published by Nintendo. It, re- it released for the Wii U, but it used the Wii Fit board and yep. became a convoluted mess. It's, it's, a, it's a game that's essentially a sequel to another game that is a game... it released in 2013 actually it didn't release that long ago it released for the wii u and yeah uh, it's we fit you um 
I honestly have no idea what to say about this. <laughs> Lizzie, wh- why we fit you? Please explain. Because uh, this is a game that I play kind of every other day or so. Um, I, I, you know, I do get exercise aside from this, but like, I just, I, I think if you're on a desert island or, or in Stardew Valley, um, you're going to need to kind of look after your, uh, your body and your mind a little bit. And this game really does that for me, uh, because I'm, I'm not the most fit person in the world i find kind of the level of exercises in this game uh pretty pretty good like quite a good uh motivation um and yeah obviously because they've kind of gamified exercise it makes it really appealing to me um it's you know it's it's silly there's loads of like different mini games and even like exercise kind of aside, like some of the games are actually really, really fun. Um, so yeah, like I think like just having this kind of game or or even like just fitness goals, even though you're on a desert island, I think that might bring a bit of kind of normality into your life. Uh, I've, I think it's more of a looking after yourself kind of game that I think would be quite important in that situation. But but don't you think if you're going to be looking after a farm that you're going to get all the grass <laughs> and exercise you already already need? <laughs> there was this worry, yes. Um, but I think having something that's doing it for, for yourself and unless like, oh, I've got to farm these like potatoes and I have to chop down this tree. It's like, oh, I can do like half an hour a day of like just some fun light exercises that are just good for like my mind and my body. And yeah, I I take that stuff kind of seriously, I guess. I think like for my survival, I think I'd need something like that. So we fit you because I've only played Wii Fit, and that was back in the sort of Wii peripheral sort of hype that was going on back when motion controls were obviously the, the games industry's huge thing. But I've not played Wii mm. Fit U. Um, so what are the actual like mini-game type things that are involved in that game? Yeah, so there's a lot of like the old ones that are in just the usual Wii Fit. Oh, but, okay. Um, so, but they've kind of like made them better. So you can do like more reps or there's harder levels, things like that. Um, there's a few different balance exercises that use the, um, the Wii U pad. Um, like there's a, a dessert course one where you have to carry these weirdly shaped desserts around and keep them balanced whilst you're like running around from table to table. Uh, I actually really enjoy that one. I think it's a bit cruel though, like having these lovely looking desserts like in front of you whilst you're trying to exercise. <laughs> it's kind of like the carrot on the stick thing. Um, but yeah, like there's an obstacle course which is way more kind of advanced um, that uses like kind of directions on the Wii board itself. Um, there's like cycling and orienteering that they added. Um, yeah, there's there's like loads more like yoga poses and exercises. There's like a, a rowing exercise. Um, there's more like balance games. 
uh, I think it's just kind of the definitive version of it and it's in HD as well which is always a, a plus yeah um <laughs> oh and uh, there's dancing as well so there's like this whole new um kind of genre in there which is dance games and there's like I don't know if there's like five or six different styles of dancing but some of them actually give you a really really good workout <laughs> And uh, yeah, I I find dancing fun as well. Like I was tempted to put like just dancing this list for okay. the same kind of reason. Yeah. Um, because I find it really fun, and yeah, I think the dancing is like it, it brings a smile to my face. So I think <laughs> that's something that's important. <laughs> so are you a firm believer that We Fit works? Because I there haven't been too many stories of you know people losing like lots of weight around the game is it just something that keeps you healthy or do you think that maybe people can actually like lose weight and use it as a serious tool that's a good question because i mean i use it and i don't think it gives me the it doesn't give me the best workout but if it's like a cloudy day and i can't really go outside and exercise then then at least i can do something um i i do think like it's better than than nothing (laughs) But it's not, it's not great. You know, it's not, um, I don't know. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> I ask mainly <laughs> because as someone who currently for the past like four months has been going to the gym every day and cycling <laughs> for an hour every day in the gym and it's really, really boring, <laughs> I would like an alternative that helps me get the same workout, but is a lot more fun. But I imagine yeah. it probably couldn't give me as an intense a workout as cycling 35 kilometers or something. Yeah, like if you really want to sort of burn the calories, then I don't think we Fit is it. But I think if you want to like tone up your muscles or like sort out your posture or your balance... Um, like with the yoga poses, I think they're really, really good. Um, so I guess it just depends kind of what you want to use it for. Like, I think, yeah, for like toning your body and just your general fitness, it's quite good. But for kind of cardio, you know, heavy cardio workouts to lose weight, I don't think, you know, it's going to it's gonna work. But I mean, for me, that that's okay because I'll be on Stardew Valley, like working hard on the farm. So... I'll I'll get my uh, my cardio there. I think. Yeah, maybe that that's how you'll that's how you'll lose weight, and then yeah, or that's how you'll maintain, and then <laughs> we fit you will like just it'll sharpen those muscles and those reflexes maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's a good yeah, combination. Exactly. It's a good combination. Yeah. <laughs> Very intriguing choice, but <laughs> I actually knew about this game. But your next game, I have no idea what this game is about or what this game is and it took a while for me to find something about it um so i'm very intrigued to hear what it is and it's a game that i feel is the most similar to the games you develop personally yourself Mm. um so i'm very interested to hear your thoughts on this next game so let's listen to some music from this next game and let's of course dive straight into it
So the next game on your list, Lucy, is a game that's developed by a developer from South Korea called Cherits. It's a game that was released last year, I believe, for iOS and Android. Um, and the game is described as a storytelling messenger game um, that is kind of like an Otome type game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And along that line of visual novel style, um, it's a game called Mystic Messenger. <laughs> or in Korea, it's called Suspicious Messenger, which is kind of <laughs> kind of dangerous. Um, what is this all about? Yeah, so this is a really like odd pick for me because coming it's off not coming like off fi- we fit you. This is the odd pick. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like my favorite game of all time or anything like that, but it's another. Um, like we fit you, like another one for kind of my own sanity, I think. So okay. because because it'd be in this place that I'm on my own, this game is kind of like a simulation of not being on your own. It's it's having people to talk to. Um and these these people that you talk to are like there's there's five different characters and they're all kind of the similar kind of tropey characters they, that you'll see but are they like anime boys are they like yeah okay. one one of them's a girl as well okay um but they're um yeah so i mean they're kind of when you first see them they're kind of stereotypical but you kind of start getting to know them and you start feeling like these people are are they are they real or are they are they just a game? Are they no? I'm just playing a game, right? Like they, they're not real. It's it's the way it's the way they they write um, because basically Mystic Messenger is uh, for mobile game. It's a mobile game. Yeah. So you load up the app and the whole story of Mystic Messenger is that you found a phone with an app on it. And you chat to these people and you find out that they're in an organization and um, they need like a party host. And for some reason, they're like, oh, well, you've picked up this phone. So that must mean that you're going to be our new party host. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. OK. OK. <laughs> <Keep going. laughs> I'm, I'm with you so but, far. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's the fact that this is on um You've, you, you know, you're playing it on your phone, but it's a story about an app on a phone chatting to these people. It just makes it so immersive. And yeah, you, you do start thinking like, these people are like, they're, they're kind of like real. Like you'll chat to them in real time as well. So at like, you know, midday, uh, someone will be on the messenger, like chatting away with one of the other people. And then, like, maybe in a couple of hours, they'll be, like, back having a chat about something else. And and maybe they were, like, talking about their lunch at 12 o'clock. And then a few hours later, they'll be saying, like, oh, did you have a good lunch? How was your lunch, Lucy? And all this kind of stuff. And you'll you'll kind of go back and you'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, my lunch was fine. Oh, my God, that's like, so oh, weird. Yeah, make, 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 sure, make sure you eat and all this. And, and then they'll, like, they'll phone you up as well. Like, after you've had a little text conversation with them, they'll then, like, phone you up. And, and the, it's still, like, in Korean but they have like the subtitles and um, it's just really weird. Like, and because it's in real time, you kind of like checking it every few hours and to get uh, a route 
um, or to finish like a whole playthrough is like, I think it's like 11 days or something. So I've only done one playthrough like successfully, but there's like five different endings, well, good endings. And then there's loads of bad ones and neutral ones. And I just, I, I really like this game, but I don't really have time to like keep checking my phone and chatting to these like make-believe people <laughs> but that's what makes it perfect i bet, your, like, bo- I bet your boyfriend's like who are you chatting to no one no one go away oh yeah he's to- he's he's totally like that he's like why do you keep chatting to these weird korean people it's so weird <laughs> he hates it he hates it so is that's it, probably why i stopped playing <laughs> so the game takes place over 11 days is it that 11 real time days mm. so yeah how i imagine in some form that that the story must escalate massively and very quickly to be covered in only 11 days. So I imagine in the beginning, it's all innocent and nice, but by the end, it's like, oh my God, we're getting married in like 11 days <laughs> or something. Well, how it, how it works is because you're doing this, uh, you're planning this party, you kind of get to know them over the first few days. Okay. And then one of the, one of the guys says, right, we're going to have the party in like a week. So... At this point, you're just like trapped in a room with a phone chatting to these people. And then the idea is like after that week has passed, so about 11 days at that point, that's when you host the party and that's when you get to meet them all. Now, the only route I've done is the the girl's route, which is uh, Jahi. And that's not, at least when I played it, it wasn't a romantic route as such. It was just a friend route. So you get to like meet her and kind of support her in her like new business venture. Uh, but it's it was really sweet. Like, I, but it was really weird because like you've been chatting to these people over an app and then on the last day, your character's meant to like meet them in real life. <gasps> and it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. The thing is, because I did the girls route, it was very innocent. But I don't know what the guys' roots are like. <laughs> like, I don't know if they do go pretty dark or... I've heard... It, I think, like, a couple of them do go a little bit strange and a bit weird. Um, that sounds I think a fun, though. That sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just... You know, and it, it's just a game that I wish I had more time to play. But, you know, it's, it is quite a time suck. I mean, it's on mobile, so you can pay, like... Um, IAP and and kind of skip skip the time and just kind of rush through it you can you can do that but I kind of I kind of think like well it works better if you play it in real time like if you pay you're kind of not playing it how it was designed um I think it's it, it feels like you get to know them more if you spend longer like if you spend like a week chatting to them instead of like a couple of hours or something. So and at the end of the 11 days, you get to go to the party, right? Please tell me yeah, that you yeah. get to go to the party. Yes, it, yeah. It, and you've like, uh, sorry, you've like invited loads of random characters to like come and it's, it's, yeah, you have to like invite random guests who like email you and stuff. So you have <laughs> so to have weird. enough guests <laughs> Yeah, it's really weird. It's like you have to have enough guests to to come to this party, otherwise it's not a success. And if it's not a success, then you don't get a very good ending. Was your was your party <laughs> successful? Did did it was yeah? Did the Gangnam Elite come to your party? 
<laughs> so some of the um, the people that come are like some of them are just normal people like students and photographers and things like that and then there's like some sort of oil king who's like <laughs> like a millionaire somewhere and there's just there's just so many it's like what kind of party and organization is this i was gonna say it's just like yeah the students are here there are some photographers oh and the, oh yeah the oil baron he's here too yeah um <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really so, interesting i've never so really played these sort of visual novels i've played some visual novels on like playstation vita like uh, steins gate and stuff like that but i know there mm. is this huge market now for the sort of otome style boyfriend um japanese korean mobile games as well and a yeah, lot of them yeah. have these very interesting premises um which <laughs> does sound like kind of fun to play i mean i want to plan a party who who doesn't want to plan a party just maybe <laughs> not under some weird circumstances where i just picked up a random phone off the ground <laughs> i'm now tasked with throwing the best party the whole of south korea has ever seen <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very weird and they send you photos of like oh here's me eating my lunch and here's here's me like on the way to work and this is a picture of my pet cat (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh thank you (laughs) well maybe i might i might i'm always intrigued about trying these games to see where my guest is coming from in regards to like (laughs) that valuable spot on their list and why it should be um so this might be another one that gets added to the list (laughs) You should try it. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's time for a a massive juxtaposition from planning a party to uh, racing around in various vehicles, um, either as a monkey, a tiger, a turtle, or even Banjo from Banjo-Kazooie. So why don't we listen to some excellent music from this next game and let's dive straight into it. Diving back into Lucy's list now, we're not planning parties anymore, uh, we're not getting fit, uh, we're not farming away at things, now we're going to be racing that that thrilling, exciting, wild racing adventure that this game was taglined as. It's not the one you're thinking of, it was released for the Nintendo 64, but it does not involve Mario. It's a game that was developed by Rare as a sort of, it started out as something else, uh, and then became this IP that for some reason, had Diddy Kong as its main character. Um, for whatever reason. Obviously, Rare were developing 
the Donkey Kong Country games, but Diddy Kong was the headliner here. It was released back for the Nintendo 64 in November of 1997, and it was published by Nintendo. I, it's, of course, Diddy Kong Racing. Lucy, Diddy Kong Racing. <laughs> Out of all the karting racing games in the world, Diddy Kong Racing. Why so? Yeah. So, yeah, I was very close to picking Mario Kart, even for the Wii, which I know a lot of people no, no, don't no, like. No, 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 I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to fight your corner here and I'm going to say that is that is my damn favorite Mario Kart as well. And that's because Oh, that's that's great. I spent hundreds of hours in university in the most intense competition with my housemates to who was the best Mario Kart Wii player. Um, so I will definitely, I'll agree. Everyone else who's listening right now is is gawking <laughs> in disgust at the fact that we chose Mario Kart Wii as our favorite. But I agree. I agree. Yeah, I I like it. I like I like the wheel. You know that. Um, I know they have that in eight, but the levels just don't feel quite as special. Um, but yeah, like I was there. Like, is it Mario Kart Wii or Diddy Kong Racing? And for me, Diddy Kong Racing is just, it's its the one of the games that I'm best at. Um, so I just love um, feeling like I can always win. Like, it's just a real confidence boost. Like, kind of makes me feel unstoppable. Um, <laughs> I, I know, like, the controls aren't great and stuff. But, um, yeah, I just, I think it's, like, my best game. Like, that and... I was really good at micro machines when I was younger as well. Like no one could beat me at that. And yeah, like Diddy Kong Racing is kind of like the same thing for me. Like it's it's just um, a really nice little kart racer. And again, like a lot of the games on my list, I want to spend more time with it. Um, I've, you know, I never really had my own copy until I was older. And I haven't played, like, all the single-player stuff. Um, I, you know, I haven't quite um, done, like... I think there's, like, space levels, like, that that you unlock later on. Uh, I've never tried those. Um, I used to play, like, with my best friend when I was a kid. Yeah. uh, Her copy. And she was always like, oh, Lucy, I'm really stuck on this boss race. Could you, like, try it for me? So I kind of, like, play it with her and kind of do, like, the tougher things or we try and help together and yeah like I just I just kind of want to go in there and know every little thing about that game like completely master it like I it's just that game that I would love to like really master I haven't played it for like years now um so I'm pretty like out of out of touch but (laughs) I imagine if I just if I just picked it up I could still probably like win against like a battle with some people <laughs> did, did you play the ds remake that released like back for the ds the first ds no i didn't and i feel like i should probably get it because then that way i could at least like play it whilst i'm here you know that's true that's very true but while you're there you can you can also find like a cheap n64 or something and yeah, and play yeah, that maybe. as well. Uh, I know you. I know you like playing on your on on the on the systems that the games were originally designed for. So yeah, but the, but the yeah. DS remake is a very good remake. It's a uh, in typical Nintendo fashion, very good. <laughs> like the Super Mario sixty four DS remake was very good too. 
Um, who was your favorite character? I must ask. Because <laughs> um, there were not many characters in that game that I liked. They were all weirdly generic, stupid animals to me. Yeah, I, I kind of see where you're coming from. Um, at the same time, like I, I kind of liked it because it wasn't just the same Mario bunch. It was like, I, d I don't know who these little animals are, but I kind of like them. <laughs> um, I used so, to play as Tipped Up the Turtle. Okay, yeah, so you had the turtle... You had Tiger. The Tiger was called Timber. I, I wrote yeah. Timber. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was there a, was the, there a was, badger. Was there the badger? There was... Yeah. There was Diddy. Oh, yeah, the Bumper. Bumper the badger. That was his name. Oh, is that his name? Bumper. Bumper. <laughs> uh, and then you had Diddy and you had Conker was there as Yeah, well. Con Conker was and in banjo, it. And <laughs> Banjo, of course. Banjo. And there was Crunch. Crunch, and I don't know who I don't know who Crunch was, but he was like I think he was like a bad guy. <laughs> I think there was there was just randomly there. there was an octopus who was a bad guy, I think. But you had yeah. the elephant, you had the genie elephant as well, who oh, helped yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. I think it was like it, it was weirdly racist. I think because he was. A genie. <laughs> I think he was named like Taj or something, really stupid. <laughs> He'd just kind of fly in on like a magic carpet. Yeah, and he made like a really funny just, noise. He'd be like, Hoo -hoo! yeah, like kind of like banjo. <laughs> I think like that's a lovely thing about rare games is, like at least at that time, like all the voices were just hilarious. Like we tried playing uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day on Rare Replay like a year or so ago, and there's like scousers in it, and <laughs> I just find that hilarious. Like you'd never get that. And Diddy Kong Racing isn't quite as bad as that, but some of the voices are pretty, pretty hilarious. <laughs> that wonderful nineties uh, rare where they just stuck eyes on animals and gave them funny voices. <laughs> and for some reason, it was like the genius thing that worked and made them the huge studio they were at the time. Uh yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if like Nintendo were trying that with Mario Odyssey. Oh, with um, the hat, yeah. With, like, his hat and eyes. I'm like, that just reminds me of, like, Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> Maybe. Not so Maybe sure they're like, about God it. damn, since Rare left, we've we've never had platformers that have done as well as the ones we did with Rare. Maybe. What was, this, what was the key secret? What was the secret? Let's look. They scour all these documents looking. Well, the correlation <laughs> between all of these Rare platformers is <gasps> eyes. We have to put eyes on our characters from now on. <laughs> oh dear it's it i mean i love it back in the day but like not not now i'm not sure about that well you're gonna have to put up with it because this is gonna be one of the only games that you can play for the rest <laughs> of your life so you're gonna have to put up with those eyes and those animals for a long time oh no <laughs> <laughs> no it's like Although the characters are a bit, they're you know they are a bit weird. Like there's still there's so many good pros to this game. Like I think you know the um, kind of mechanic of uh, having missiles and and bombs that you pick up and they stack. Like I really you know when I'm playing Mario Kart now I really miss that because it made it really tactical. So if you got like two red balloons, your missile will turn into a homing missile. 
and that was really really helpful and I know like in Mario you have like the option of maybe getting a red shell or or a green shell but it just feels a bit too random whereas Diddy Kong kind of rewards you for being a little bit more sneaky and a little bit more tactical and I I really like that I think it's I find it really sad that they never like remade it or or brought it to modern consoles or it's just kind of been forgotten about well obviously rare and nintendo sort of fell apart there microsoft got them but you know we got the we got the ds remake which i think due to the art style and the graphics i think that's about as good as you're you're ever gonna get really yeah yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I just, I'd just love there to be like a similar mechanic in a racer. Can you imagine E3 um, this year? Just Diddy Kong <laughs> Two racing for the yes. Nintendo Switch. We've got, yes, we've got eyes on Mario's that. hat. Now we're gonna have eyes on everything. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that so much. I really would. Like, never mind the Final Fantasy remake. Give me Diddy Kong remake. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> well, you know, everyone thought The Last Guardian wouldn't come out, but here we are. So you never know. A girl can dream. A girl can dream. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's yeah. about time we move on to your next game now. And so why don't we listen to some music from the soundtrack and let's dive straight into it. The next game on Lucy's list is a game that I totally forgot about and she had to bring up because I'm an idiot and I was ready to talk too much about other games. But there is a game that I think is a game that's featured on this list multiple times before. And I think for kind of the same reasons everyone chooses it, it's a game you pretty much can play forever. It's a game that was developed by Blizzard Entertainment and designed by Rob Pardo, Jeff Kaplan and Tom Chilton all the way back in 2004. It's just the massive multiplayer game that, you know, everyone knows about. World of Warcraft. Lucy, please tell me, why are you taking World of Warcraft with you? Yeah, because it is that game that you can play forever. Um, It's like, if I had all the time in the world, which I hope to on this island, then I'd just play World of Warcraft. Even, Even without, like, the chat functions. It's like, yeah, I'd still just keep playing that. Keep yeah, collecting, like, that, everything. That, that is the, 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 the main point that everyone asks me about this whole online multiplayer thing. And the rules, although have sort of wavered over time and become more difficult as more people bring up more complications, um, <laughs> is that you can play MMOs and you can do all these things, but you can't talk with people. Mm-hmm. So 
MMOs are built on one massive aspect is raiding and like doing dungeons. So if an integral part of that experience for you is talking with like your guild or with your friends, um, then maybe it's not the best game to choose for that point but if you can get by and you like playing pve and stuff like that or you don't mind playing with randoms when you're doing a a dungeon or a raid or something then you know it's gonna be a pretty good choice yeah um i must admit like i loved the social aspect of it originally like i was like a guild master um at one point and we used to run like raids like a couple of times a week and really getting like really serious into it and I made some like really really good friends on there and it's you know it's it's kind of sad to probably be in World of Warcraft and not have that but at the same time like if I went back to play it today a lot of those people don't play it anymore so all my friends of you know will actually be gone and people I feel that like social isn't that important in the game anymore like a lot of the dungeons are cross-realm, so you don't really ever get to know anyone in the same way that you used to, like, back in the, like, earlier Warcraft days. And, yeah, like, I think if social's not in it anymore, I'd kind of be okay with that. Like, there's a lot more to the game uh, apart from, like, raiding and and doing, like, uh, dungeons later on and, and things like that. Um, I think I'd probably do a lot more PvP battlegrounds. Um, I don't think arena would work without voice because that's very tactical. But in yeah, a battleground yeah. where there's like loads of you, um, you could just kind of run in, do whatever you want, and just be like a little part of like a team that probably doesn't communicate very well anyway. So <laughs> you could just kind of like do uh, whatever you want. Um, also, like um pve is is really nice as well like i, I just love PvE in World of Warcraft. yeah it's lovely like it just it's just such a beautiful world um yeah it's so gorgeous and atmospheric and even though like the graphics are like really old now like it doesn't really bother me like you know all the textures are painted and it's just such a beautiful place I think it's like the art style, obviously it was updated like two expansions ago and there was a huge art update with character models being updated and all that. Mm. There's something about the World of Warcraft art style aesthetically that is incredibly pleasing. It's always very, even in the darkest areas or the dingiest places, it's always very bright and colorful and very, it's like a wonderful palette. I, I don't know what it is about World of Warcraft, but it does look really nice, even though it is, you know, 13 years old or whatever. Yeah, gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, like, um, it's it's just, I don't know how they do it. It's just so atmospheric. Like, I don't know if it's just the way it's rendered. Like, if your computer's not very good, then, um, you know, instead of it just being really bad quality, like, further in the distance they just kind of missed it out and and everything feels kind of misty and eerie and and fantasy like and you know that's that's really like a really clever way of you know for lower spec uh, computers to kind of get around that problem well yeah that is probably a a part of it but you know back in 2004 it was still probably high-end uh difficult to run a little bit because yeah even yeah. now is 
you know, it did get the art update, but it wasn't that drastic of a change. No. Uh, it still looks great. Like, I really like the look. And I'm not a massive World of Warcraft fan, and I kind of came into Warcraft really late. Um, but I, I just think it has that Blizzard touch, that that kind of art style that only Blizzard can do. Kind of cartoony, kind of wacky, but at the same time, really holds it own and its own and doesn't look like anything else out there. Yeah, um, I totally agree. Like, I love the look of Overwatch. Like, I've not played it. I'm not really into shooters anymore. But, like, I love the art style of it. And it does have that kind of World of Warcraft kind of style a little bit. Like, it's it's kind of... It does have that kind of cartooniness to it, which I really, really like. And, and again, it's got, like, that bit of humor to it, which, obviously, I, I keep mentioning I, I love it. Um, yeah, it's just a, a really sort of beautiful, uh, stylized game. And, and even though it's kind of 3D and it does look a little aged, it doesn't look as aged as like some games that are like 13 years old. I'll say some games, probably oh, yeah, no, most games. <laughs> well, games that went for that realistic look. Yeah. Um, maybe didn't do so well to hold up. Whereas when you go for like cartoon animations or more sort of... Less realistic looking characters, you know, you you get by. Mm. <laughs> Rare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rare. <laughs> putting animals on every, uh, putting eyes on everything. So, yeah. <laughs> so, getting no chat, no no talking with people. Totally, totally okay with you. Um, I I I wouldn't say totally okay, but I've had like I've had my run of like being social on there um you know it's a lot of hard work especially if you get into a guild and and you have to run it or you have to like yeah, but, contribute yeah, but and you're gonna have all the time in the world now to do that <laughs> you could be the best guild master ever that is a, that is a very good argument uh <laughs> but you you can't though so no I, it's, I'm, it's not, I'm not it's a weird oxymoron that <laughs> you it's, can it's, but i'm not going to allow you to do so <laughs> it's it's fine like there's there's plenty of other things for me to do like i could just um you know make a ton of money in the auction house like i could go around the world and collect all these rare items and there's still like a ton of things for me to do um that's kind of the reason why i love that game but also gave it up because it's kind of an all or nothing for me like i just love to just play it all the time so i think limiting the chat would actually limit you know me playing it which is probably a good thing even even on like a desert island when i shouldn't be where i could like play all the time i probably shouldn't you know i should probably go and look after my farm and and like eat and things like that yeah (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) because that's what world of warcraft does to me it's like oh it's it's nine at night i still haven't even thought about dinner (laughs) (laughs) but i guess when you're when you're working away at the farm you can just you can you can choose your own time but i guess if you need like the vegetables and stuff to grow or plant your seeds i guess you have to get up early and do it maybe yeah, I don't know how yeah. farming works in real life that much, so <laughs> I wouldn't really know. <laughs> I'll have to learn. But whilst I'm waiting for them to grow, then I can play. I can play lots of WoW. Yeah, well, while you're waiting for them to grow, you can grow your own vegetables in your garrison <laughs> in World of Warcraft as well. Yeah. Double the veg. Veg power. 
<laughs> Digital veg and real veg. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we move on to your next game now. So I'm going to listen to some music from this next game and let's dive straight into it. Come now to the second to last game on Lucy's list, and it's a sequel to a game that a lot of people loved. Hence, why the name of the sequel was in Japan "Mina Daisuki Kamatamari Demasi," or better known as "We Love Kamatamari," which is a very apt title considering how well the first game did, and um, and because essentially it was like an indie game, it was made for like a million million dollars which is nothing in video game budgets um developed and published by namco it was obviously directed by the wonderful Take- uh, takahashi keita and it released for the playstation 2 back in 2005 it's we love kamatamari lucy why is this the second to last game that you're going to be taking with you yeah uh so this is this is a game that i always kind of forget about and then when I remember it, I'm like, oh my god, like, I loved, I loved that game. Like, I really, really loved that game. It was kind of the first non-RPG that I completely finished. Like, I, I kind of did everything. Um, I mean, everything <laughs> up to a reasonable limit. I didn't get every single item in the game or anything like that, yeah. but... I did like all the levels and kind of maxed out and tried to get all the collectibles and all the cousins and all the accessories. Um, And I could still like go in there and just keep playing it. I I don't know what it is about Katamari, but it's just so satisfying to me. Um, I don't know if there's like just a bit of OCD in me or something that just wants to <laughs> pick up every bit of rubbish and like things around the room and stuff but it's just it's just really satisfying it's like even the noises like when you roll over things and and they squish onto your ball it's like a little kind of pop noise and it's just it's really really nicely done and you know I I love the art style is uh, like kind of the first low poly kind of style that I was introduced to. Um, I really, really liked it. Um, but I never actually played um, Katamari Damacy because it never came out in Europe. And I remember like my brother had like some Japanese version of it on his 
a PlayStation again probably illegally like yeah, <laughs> I don't know how he got it on there but I remember looking at it like this this looks incredible it's a shame I can't understand what the heck's going on because it's all in Japanese but then I saw We Love Katamari like a year or so later like on the shelf and I just kind of grabbed it I'm like yes like I I need to I need to play this like it just looks so good and yeah I, d- I don't regret regret picking it up because I just love it and it's another game that I wish would get brought to modern day consoles so I could play it here um and I know there's like um a few kind of I think there's like an iPhone version of it now but it's just not as good um I I don't think any of the kind of ones since then have been um anywhere near as as fun and and it's just a bit of a shame to kind of see it go that way because I'd, I'd love them to make like a really, really good Katamari game again. Well, it's because I think mainly this was the last game that Takahashi himself uh, involved himself in. It's weird yeah, because although yeah. he was the director and creator of the series and he was really young at the time, you know, the first game came out and was a huge success. And then a year later they made this game, but then he kind of just bailed and didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And uh, it's... You know, I I, I kind of respect that. Like, if you've had enough, that's that's fine. Um, if if only like it could be brought to HD and on new consoles, then at least I could I could keep playing it. You know, um, I'm I'm basically when I go back to England, I'm just gonna have to bring like all my consoles back and my my old games and just like play them here <laughs> because I miss them so much. <laughs> so what specifically? But, if you've played both games, what is it specifically about We Love Kamatamari that m- makes you choose it over the original Kamatamari Damacy? Well, yeah, like Katamari Damacy, I didn't really get to play that much. So um, We Love Katamari, um, it just seemed like even bigger. Like there were so many levels. And again, again it's, a, it's another game that's got this weird, quirky humor that, I, I love and it really felt like it was fleshed out in We Love Katamari like there was this strange story with the king and his dad and then his dad just dropped dead in one scene I remember that <laughs> quite <laughs> random uh, and then like the prince is born and, and then obviously he plays like the prince and his cousins um, but yeah like it just felt like the fully kind of fleshed out version Um it had this level in it that I absolutely love. It's like a 20 minute long level, which is quite long for Katamari. And you start off really small, picking up like paper clips and rubbers and things like that. Yeah. And by the end, you're like rolling up the Great Wall of China. <laughs> and it's like, I, there's no other game like it that would, that would do something like that, like go from one extreme to the other and... And there's things floating in the sky. I think there's like Godzilla or something, like a robot. You know, again, like it's another very Japanese game. And I see all the little Japanese things and I just, I really, really love it. Um, (laughs) Like there's one level, I think you pick up loads of like um, cup ramen, um, you know, ramen noodles, uh, onigiri and all like little bits of Japanese food. All the stuff you get from the combini, essentially. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> stuff I think I you pretty much day. just go into one. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and yeah i remember the, there's like sumo wrestlers as well that you can pick up <laughs> obviously they they take a bit more than like the average person to pick up <laughs> um but yeah there's like shoji pieces and books on kanji like that's the thing like you don't just pick up a book it's like oh this is a kanji book you know like the level of detail in katamari is incredible and i really love it for that but you kind of you kind of miss a lot of that detail if you just um you know just roll up and don't look at things there's a lot of like humor um in the library if you if you go and actually read the descriptions of things yeah which I absolutely love. Like, there's a Twitter, <laughs> there's a Twitter account called like Katamari Collection, and I suggest anyone listening go check it out because um, it's just so funny. Like, because it's written as though it's like the aliens themselves, like documenting like human objects and stuff. It's it's really really <laughs> figuring good. out how strange they are. Yeah, it's like I think I saw one that was like, oh, this is toothpaste. Um, it's full of delicious paste or something, but it can't be that delicious because they spit it out afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, that's an intriguing I, I point. <laughs> that feels like an our our shower thoughts post. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start following this Twitter account there. Yeah, you should. Some immense <laughs> insight like that. <laughs> well, essentially, it's a game you can also just play forever. You can just roll the ball and keep yeah. going and just have that. You know, it's just, you kind of don't even need to concentrate, do you, really? Um, you just no, sort of sit back it's... and roll and relax. Yeah. <laughs> really yeah. easy. Yeah, I, I find it it's quite chilled and... And the controls are, I think they could be easier, but they're not. And I kind of like that. Like, it gives it that challenge that makes you think, oh, I can do better next time. I'll, I'll get the hang of this, you know, I'll, I'll get faster. And, and even if you, like, complete a level and you actually do really well, afterwards, they'll still kind of insult you for it. You know, like, it's got that kind of kind of japanese humor i guess oh yeah nothing is ever good like, enough even if you did a good no, job you, you can still do like, better <laughs> yeah it's like oh well this katamari is kind of what i was looking for but it's kind of crap so we'll send it up to the cosmos <laughs> and kind of explode it or whatever <laughs> and i just i just love that um you know like after you've you've rolled it up um it says like oh your katamari is as big as like 12 ninjas or something <laughs> it's just it's just the big, randomness though, it, of it really? no it's like oh well thank, thanks for that like, you know, <laughs> is that is that if you like the volume of them or is that the height of them or you know what is that? <laughs> it's just like they just is that the nonsense. length of all their intestines combined because that would be a long <laughs> way uh, <laughs> come on give me some credit <laughs> well I think it's about time that uh, we move on to your last game now um uh, and it's sort of different to all the games you've chosen so far, but also in the same sort of, I think, experience as some of the games you've already chosen, that human interaction or looking for something to pass the time but not feeling so lonely and having a pseudo-human, uh, I don't know, relationships or interactions 
to make yourself not feel so lonely on the farm when you're grafting away, working so hard, and then coming in to do some fitness. It's nice to chill out with some, quote, friends, unquote, I would imagine. <laughs> so why don't we listen to some music from this next game, and let's jump into Lucy's final game. So here we are, we have made it to the end of Lucy's final games list and we are about to pack her bags and send her off to her farm in which she is going to be very, very well equipped to survive desertion uh, by eating vegetables and fruits and fishing for some wonderful fish and exploring caves to maybe even gather some treasures. Uh, But also you're going to kind of get away with also being on your own because of the human interactions we have talked about. Obviously you're going to have you're going to have some wonderful Korean boys who are (laughs) going to chat with you. You know, you're going to be able to disappoint some Japanese uh, Yakuza. Uh, You're also going to be able to disappoint the king of the cosmos because he's never happy. (laughs) But you're also going to be able to look after some human beings of your own in this next game, which is a game that was designed by the wonderful simulation dude that is Will Wright, um, developed by Maxis and published by Electronics Arts. It released on every platform under the sun, from the PC to even the Game Boy Advance. It released originally back in 2004. It's the strategic life simulation video game that is The Sims 2. Lucy, why is the last game that's going to be taken with you The Sims 2? Yeah, so it's one of those that instantly popped into my head when I thought about this list. Um, obviously, I, I think I'm, I'm picking games that kind of, you know, fake social interaction, because uh, obviously you'd, you'd miss it quite a lot. Um, you know, I debated a lot of games, uh, like building games, like I love building things. Uh, you know, I was thinking of like Theme Park and Dungeon Keeper and SimCity, but I think like The Sims, like it has that aspect, but it also has, um, you know, the simu- sort of simulating people yeah. uh, and families, and and it's kind of like a virtual dollhouse almost, yes. I yeah. guess. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just I think it would keep me quite sane uh, when I'm on my own in Stardew Valley. So, uh, I've. D- it's funny because The Sims is not something I've ever really got into. And I've mentioned on the show before that one of the things that fascinates me most about The Sims is the story 
stories that people make and the stories that other people have told me. And there have been people on the show before who've had funny Sims stories or funny stuff that's happened to their Sims or that they've done. Do you have any such story about a funny time or something that really sticks out from when you've been playing The Sims? Uh... I'm I'm probably the most boring Sims player <laughs> you've ever met. Um, I I play like really seriously. Um, you know, I'll I'll make like myself and like my boyfriend, and we'll kind of we'll be like in separate houses, and I'll try and get them to like meet each other and fall in love, and then kind of move in together, get married, and play little happy families. Um, that's kind of how I start playing. And then probably twenty hours in or something, I'm I'm doing this, and I'm like, why why am I doing this again? <laughs> like, it just kind of I, I guess The Sims kind of does that, but then I'll start like just um, either playing like something randomly or like um, starting just to use it as like a building thing, a simulator almost. So I think The Sims Two is like the first one where you can just build um, houses and public places and not have to have a family attached to them. Okay. So you could just, like, make a lot and then just build, like, a beautiful house and kind of deck it out however you want. And you don't have to move it, anyone into it. And I just... I guess that's, like... It's my kind of creative outlet. Um, so sometimes it's less about the the Sims themselves and more about just, like building a home but not in a really complicated kind of you know program it's just yeah. it's casual it's easy like the controls are, are simple like i tried sims 3 and sims 4 but i think like building the houses is even harder and it and it feels to me it just feels a bit more limited like you know rooms have to be kind of certain shapes and it just it feels a bit more strict i i don't know like maybe it's just me not getting it getting the hang of the ui but i mean i tried it for a good long time and i just think like in two it's just easy to just go in build what you want like nice and quickly and and not like get so frustrated at like the controls um <laughs> yeah it really it really annoys me but in two it's like yeah this is this is really really easy and okay you can build some beautiful places yeah and, yeah, I really like it. Um, you know, it's just like, it's more like building a little town almost. Like, that's kind of why I love Sims. What? It's funny because I've just never really got into The Sims. And there's something about The Sims that I can't get over the barrier of trying to be serious, of trying to look after them, or trying <laughs> to feed them, or trying to make sure they go to the toilet and all that kind of stuff. Like, they're, they're meant to be adults, but they're massive babies at the same time. Yeah, um, yeah. I just like killing them or watching their demise <laughs> unfold between me. I, I imagine, though, these <laughs> these people are going to be your only companions um, yeah. while you're on this farm. So I imagine you're going to have to look after them pretty, pretty strictly. Um how emotionally damaging is it going to be when they die or if they die see that's that's another reason why i love sims 2 so much so if you keep them really happy so if you play really well you get like 
um, I can't remember what the points are called, but you get these kind of life points and you can use them to buy the elixir of life. Oh my God, really? So, wow. Yeah, so that's how I always used to play it. And then, and then my Sims would just keep living. And I just, yeah, I, it felt like a bit of a cheat, but at the same time, it's like, well, they only live for like 20 days. Like, that's not, it's not very long, so... Um, or, or rather they, they're an adult for 20 days or whatever. But, you know, it's not that's not much time to get everything done that you, you want to get done. So just uh, take a drink of the elixir of life every every few days and, and then they stay young. Um, the weird thing is when you... I think, I think you can actually, like, dr if you keep drinking it, you actually go back to being a teenager again, I think. Um, which is a bit weird because then your relationships break and... Yeah, obviously you can't be married to your husband anymore and all those kind of weird rules. <laughs> I remember that The Sims 2, one thing, it's funny because my mem memory about Sims or any sort of reference I have has always been weirdly unique things, like other people's stories or something. But the other thing I remember about Sims 2 is I used to work in game uh, back in the mm. day. And I remember that The Sims 2 had like a bajillion expansions as well for it. Oh yeah. Like just massive amounts of expansions and also then like packs of like items and stuff. And obviously cuz back in the day, you know, internet maybe not so good. There were actually like physical boxes <laughs> of these like expansions and stuff. Did you get into the expansions yeah. as well? Is there like some expansions you have? I mean, you can have them all to take with you to your farm, <laughs> but are, are there are some that are your favorites that you've really enjoyed? Um, I had the pet one, so you could get dogs and cats in it, but I remember being a bit disappointed because like, apart from adding another person that's gonna, or another animal that's gonna make your life more difficult, like <laughs> there wasn't really that much to it. Okay. Um, yeah, I think, like, the university expansion I didn't get, but it looked really cool because you get, like, this other part of your life. I think it introduced young adult, um, and you can go away, and um, that looked, like, completely different, uh, whereas the pet one I got wasn't particularly amazing. Um, there was, like, <laughs> a, an expansion or an add-on uh, that's, like, The Sims IKEA stuff. Um, and I, I had that. Uh, I love like IKEA things. Um, I'm obsessed <laughs> with IKEA. Uh, and then having that as like yourself in The Sims as well, just <laughs> like you had to in real life. No, <laughs> but that would be incredible. <laughs> that reminds me of, of passing um, the time. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of um, My Sims, which was like I think it was called My Sims. It's, like a, a chibi version of The Sims that EA released. That was on the Wii, right? After. Th yeah. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. It was like I a really crap version for the Wii that had yeah. like strange looking characters. Yeah, I was so excited for it because I thought, oh, it's all like cute and and it's kind of like Animal Crossing, but like, and then you have to build your own chair manually in this awful like editor and I hated it. <laughs> I was like, no, I traded that in in like a week. I just hated it. <laughs> I was so excited for it as well. So which but, no. which platform are you going to be playing The Sims 2 on? I imagine just the generic PC version. Because it's been released on an unholy amount of platforms, including the Game Boy Advance. I don't even know how that worked. Um, but is it just the PC version that you're going to be taking? Yeah, I think so. I um, 
I think like ultimately I'm I'm a PC gamer at heart. Um, I I kind of enjoy um, playing things on PC, especially um, sort of simulations and building games and, and things like that. Like uh, I feel like I can really like get in depth and obviously controlling with like a mouse is just so much more precise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, playing it on console just feels like you're just going to be struggling with the controls like you know if there's a grid yeah like oh that's gonna be a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> well you are free to take the pc version with you and you can take all those expansions and the ikea pack and everything with it uh, <laughs> and it is it is yours free to play for all of eternity looking after all your little adult babies uh forever <laughs> and it is the last game you're going to be taking with you as well because we're, we're about to ship you off now we have to send you on your way to your farm um i don't know how we're going to do this time because in the start of stardew valley for anyone who doesn't know you inherit a farm from what seems to be a very cheery scene but is actually your grandfather dying um, <laughs> and you working in a disgusting corporation where there are dead bodies everywhere. Um, so I don't know how we're going to do it this time. Maybe you, uh, maybe I'll pretend you've inherited a farm that is on an island in the middle of nowhere, uh, and you'll you'll get a letter through the post soon enough with with your eight games uh, tied to it as well. Nice, nice. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> I'm really missing the point here. <laughs> <laughs> But Lucy, there is one question I have to ask you before I send you on your way. And it's the question I have to ask every one of my guests before they leave. And it's, uh, we've talked about games, but we need to talk a little bit about consoles as well, or the, the way we mm. play games. And barring PC, you can take any one console with you that you would like. So think about the back catalog and the games that are included on that console and the history of it or the growing history in some cases. Um, but if there is one console that you could take with you, what console would it be? Uh, I think it would be the Amiga. The Amiga? Yeah. I did not expect that. <laughs> why Why the Amiga? I mean, none of the games you've chosen are on the Amiga. So, no. so why the Amiga? <laughs> uh, it was the first console I had. And, I mean, it's kind of like a PC, but it is also a console. Um, yeah, but, but you ain't emulating anything on that Amiga, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, but, yeah, like, when I was coming up with the list of what to take, a lot of the games on here kept cropping up. Um, so, like, Lemmings, um, The Settlers, yeah, uh, which is one of my favourites. Uh, Cannon Fodder, which, again, is just superb. Yeah. Uh, Monkey Island, which I've not played for a long time and love to revisit. Um, God, there's just there's so many good games on there. There's uh, like Super Frog and Zool, uh, like you know, poor man's like Sonic and and Mario. <laughs> like, that's what I that's what I played when I was younger. Um, there's like Civilization there, which I kind of wanted to take uh, as a game, but kept agonizing over it uh but yeah like the original civilization uh there's like pinball dreams and um frontier elite as well um which i mean i loved it when i was younger but i've not played it since so i'd love to kind of revisit that and i you know i probably have the whole nostalgia thing when you actually play it like oh, maybe it's not quite as good as i remember 
But with some of them, I imagine they they do kind of stand the test of time. Like Lemmings is still a fantastic game, and I could just keep you know going through all the levels. And although they're just little pixel characters, that you know the core mechanic is still perfect in in my eyes. Like I think it's a really really good game. Uh, and yeah, I, I just think it has like a really good collection of uh, fantastic titles and. I'm not sure if anyone else has picked it. Nope, no one but... has picked it so far. Oh, okay. I I feel like Amiga needs some love, you know? Like, you don't really see people talk about it that much. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. And I, I do have, like, one uh, back in England, but I've only got, like, a few games for it. Okay. Um, so I kind of want to collect more and, and try and find, like, all the classics that... I used to live. Well, you can have the whole collection to take with you Yay. and you can have the Amiga <laughs> and you can go through all those games checking if they're still good or if they're just really, <laughs> really bad now. Um, and that is your pleasure while you are working on your farm uh, playing all these wonderful games that you've chosen. And Lucy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, I hope you've had fun and I hope you're ready yeah. and got your bags ready to inherit that farm of yours. <laughs> yep. I, I'm just waiting for the letter now to turn up. Excellent. So why don't you tell the wonderful listeners who have listened so far and all the way through this about where they can find you on the internet and what of yours they should be checking out? Yeah, so um, it's probably easiest to find me on Twitter, uh, which is Games by Kinmoku. That's uh, K-I-N-M-O-K-U. Um, I'm also on Facebook with the same handle. Um, I am going to be at GDC on the IGF Pavilion um, at the expo floor. Uh, if anyone's around, that would be cool to meet up. Um, and yeah, like as we mentioned earlier, um, I've been working on my game Love IRL, uh, but I'm actually taking a bit of a break from it again. I'm working on another shorter project, which I hope to announce shortly. Awesome. So. I hope that you uh, you guys follow me and uh, and keep uh, updated with that. Excellent. Well, if you also haven't, definitely also play One Night Stand. Download it on Steam, of course, and yes, play do. through it. <laughs> and then talk to Lucy about it on Twitter, of course. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> thank you so much, Lucy. And thank you so much to you guys who have listened through this show. Again, the 45th episode. And don't forget, that although you're already listening, you can find the show on SoundCloud. You can find it on iTunes, where you can rate and review it, which is really helpful. You can also find it on Acast and Stitcher and Overcast and every one of those podcasting things that people keep mentioning that the show isn't on. And then I have to go find it and then upload it to there um, because everyone has their own platform of preference. But yeah, you can find it pretty much everywhere on the internet. You can also email us because we get a lot of emails. A lot of people like to email their lists in themselves. So if you want to do that please go ahead and i'll talk to you about the games that you've chosen as well you can email finalgamespodcast at gmail.com and you can also find the show on twitter at final games show and you can also find my personal twitter which is at liam bme where i'm mostly talking about yakuza at the moment uh, <laughs> so yeah if you like yakuza then Definitely follow me on Twitter for the next week or so, and then you can unfollow. Perfectly fine. And also, if you'd like to support the show um, in a way other than listening and downloading, which is the most I can expect from people who listen, because that is an excellent thing for you to do. Um, but you can also uh, support us on Patreon, uh, which is 
really incredibly helpful. Patreon has helped pay for this year's service hosting for the show. It's helped by new equipment like a microphone and uh, it's helped towards the laptop that people help fund and just all those wonderful things. It really does help. And if you enjoy the show and you f- you deem it of monetary worth, then you definitely can do that as well. And you can go to patreon.com forward slash final games. So thank you so much for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Huge thanks to Lucy, and it's been a pleasure having you all. See you again next week. Goodbye.